I think we really got something here. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. The Nightcap. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Derek, you're not a Seinfeld guy, are you? I'm not a heavy Seinfeld guy. Light Seinfeld guy? Yeah. Like, definitely will watch I, it if it's on. And not complain yeah. at all. It's maybe... I don't know. I think it might be the show that transcends time better than anybody. And what I mean by that is, if usually, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to watch, for me at least, TV shows that were broadcast in, you know, the 80s and the 90s, and there are exceptions, but there are so many dated references in Seinfeld, but I think it's so funny that it cuts right through it, and it's almost like it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like even in an age today where, like, people my age might not understand you know like to, to to hang up a phone uh or like to, to rotary dial or whatever and like there, there's just a ton of stuff that you would never think about and i don't know i think that show cuts right through it and i think it transcends time better than any and i think it's the best sitcom ever made and if you're out there and you're looking for, like, something to watch, now's a good time to watch stuff, I think, that other people, uh, or not just other people, but, like, are considered classics, are considered things that you feel like you should watch. Now's a good time to catch up on that. For me, that's going to be Harry Potter. Um, other than that, I'm not sure, like, I'm do- I think I've done a good job catching up on, like, what's, a, what's the number one movie you feel like you should watch that you've never watched? Because I feel like I'm doing pretty good on my list now. Although I still mm. have not seen Caddyshack, I'll say that. That's a really good question I don't have an answer to right now. Have you seen The Godfather? Yes. Have you seen uh, Goodfellas? Yes, but it's been a while. Have you seen... I had one other one I was going to ask you here. Animal House. Mm, yeah. There it is. But I, I want a book report. Book report? Oh, you no. got I want a book report on you for uh, the, the, uh, tomorrow night on <laughs> Animal House. Thoughts? I want a, uh, a thesis paper, basically. It doesn't have to be very long, but Derek Kramer is going to read his book report or movie report on uh, Animal House tomorrow. Don't tell people that. Um, don't tell people the something that's not going to happen. Don't tell people something that's not going to happen. Because first off, right now you can. He's going to look up the. You're going to take your. I'm going to take your book go. report and just tell you to go to hell. Um, I don't do homework. <laughs> I don't do that. And um, I still yeah. have to. I still have to get a damn mock draft done for this site. <laughs> so, who, you got, uh, who you got the bills taken? Who are you thinking? Uh, 54. Second round? Are you going to the second round? I, I have to. I mean, there's no... Uh, I, I had to adjust my original plan of the mock draft when the Stefan Diggs trade happened, so now I'm going to have to go to 54 and see what the board says to them. I, um, I'm liking more and more the idea of them drafting a running back in the second round. And I know that kind of deviates from what we were talking about in the first hour. And there is uh, a social media news, I guess, to pass along on uh, Mr. Todd Gurley, who we spoke extensively about in the first hour. But Todd Gurley tweeted out earlier today, about three hours ago, 
damn, I got fired on my day off. Great reference. Stefan Diggs. Yes, yes. Uh, Stefan Diggs then replied, you're so funny. And Todd Gurley replied 13 minutes ago, hey, what's good, though? And the eye emojis. Now, as I said on Twitter, use your eye emojis responsibly. There was once we got set into haywire mode when Evander Kane did that on Twitter a couple of years ago. We all thought Evander Kane was getting traded. Gurley's doing this now. Like, am I, should I read into this or should I not try to read into this? But... What could he mean if I'm trying to read too much into it? Would it be he's replying to Diggs, what's good though, as in in the eyeballs, as in something's coming and he's talking to the Bills? Or should I just completely ignore it and call myself an idiot and move on? I mean, I wouldn't read too heavily into it. I don't think there's uh, much of a problem (laughs) there. Uh, But it's something that it could be worth you know, at least putting an eye on and being like, hmm, maybe Stefan Diggs can help recruit to the team that he isn't even officially a member of yet. That'd be pretty funny. But I'm not going to take it too seriously, especially with how Stefan Diggs has used his social media. I'm not going to take much of it too literally. I mean, Diggs has mm-hmm. sometimes left like the cryptic message sort of thing or like, you know, something of the sort. And yeah, it did eventually lead to him getting traded, for example. But you know, next thing you know, we're making jokes about Stefan Diggs being seen at uh, Duff's. So, um, no, I'm not going to go too heavily into this one. I do agree. You should use your eyeball emoji tweets more responsibly. But at the same time, <laughs> if Gurley's inquiring yeah. about the team that Diggs is going to, I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, I still want them to draft a guy. Uh, I was looking at Joe Marino's draft network running back rankings earlier, and um, I was looking at guys like Jonathan Taylor and uh, Edwards uh, from LSU, Cam Akers, guys that could be available to them in the second round. I don't think J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift get there, but maybe. I mean, they could. A lot of times in the past couple drafts, the top running backs have got that far down. Um I'm liking the idea of the Bills drafting a running back in the second or third round. Now, I will say this, and I think fans will agree with this, it would be hella exciting for them to go out and grab Todd Gurley to add to this roster, just to add a player with star power like that. If all of a sudden, you know, like, that, when that, that, that would be the type of move that gets them more credit and respect in the national media, right? And, like, I don't need that, and I don't really necessarily care about that, but I know fans do. Like, fans look for that stuff. Fans are watching ESPN, and they like to see when the Bills are getting credit, and I think they'd get a lot of credit nationally if all of a sudden around Josh Allen you've got Stefan Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, Todd Gurley to add to the mix with Devin Singletary. Like they and with the defense they've already got in place. Um that's one of those moves that wouldn't move the needle a lot for me, but I feel like could nationally. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, especially with the moves that they've been making already and the fact that they're trying to improve a roster from a playoff team, a 10-win team already, this is exactly the kind of move that would help generate the excitement even more. And that would go back to our discussion yesterday about the expectations it would once again put on this football team. But you look at a roster that has an offense that would be boasting Josh Allen hopefully improving with a roster that would have Todd Gurley and Devin Singletary and Stefan Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley. And then hopefully you get some more production out of the tight ends, a solid offensive line, and that's the weak point of your team is the offense? Are yeah. we sure about that anymore? 
So this is exactly that kind of thing that would generate more excitement, but it would also ramp the expectations up of absolutely if you don't win at least two playoff games, it might just straight up be a failure. Yeah, I wonder, is there a guy, I haven't thought about this too much, because usually when you think about trades, we've been thinking about wide receiver, right? But I think at this moment, and maybe maybe they sign Todd Gurley. Maybe they do that. Maybe they sign Lamar Miller. Maybe they sign Carlos Hyde. But I said this in the first segment, that what I want to be chasing is a great, if possible, great pass-catching running back, a guy that can catch 50-plus balls no matter who his quarterback is. And I don't really see that guy in the open market we mentioned Chris Thompson earlier and like that's an idea but that guy he's 29 going on 30 with a big injury history as a running back so it's not the best idea for that type of player but I'm wondering is there a guy in the league that might be available to be traded for and I think you'd have to find a team that's on the course of rebuilding and I mean we could go as big here as I saw people have been writing about this I think it's crazy that people are writing about McCaffrey getting traded um I get it, I guess, that if they're going to tank, if they're going to start over and try to get Trevor Lawrence and the new regime doesn't want to pay a running back when McCaffrey's about to get paid because by the time they're going to get good, he's going to be out of his prime. Um, I still, though, I think he's too good. I think that he, him and Barkley are almost on another level for me. And I can't see Carolina moving him. But... Man, isn't that idea fun to think about? I also think you'd have to give a first-round pick up for him, and I would never want to do that, and the Bills also don't have a first-round pick. So I don't think they're getting Christian McCaffrey. But another guy in the league that maybe is that pass-catching type of running back that could be available to be traded, I'm not sure those guys come available very often, but we didn't really think star receivers come available very often, and two got traded on Monday, so there's that. Yeah, no, it's the league is very flexible with players and big-name players that are getting dealt at this point, basically to the point of if you're a quarterback, you're probably the most safe on the roster, and that's it. But I don't know anymore about this sort of thing. I, your idea with McCaffrey, you've said this before, and I do believe that if Carolina wants to do it right by Trevor Lawrence, you keep the kid around, and you try to be able to make it more comfortable for him. That said, if Carolina really is selling the parts off, then you try to go ahead and get another running back again. The problem is, is that yeah. you go with what you know, and that's why, for example, I love the Stephon Diggs trade is because you go with what you know, and you know Diggs is a top receiver in this league. You don't know what the rookie that you draft is going to do, for example. Mm-hmm. So if I'm well, Carolina, we, I'm holding on to McCaffrey because yeah. I go with what I know. I know Christian McCaffrey is an elite player in this league. I am keeping him around. That's really my main reasoning behind all of it. Yeah. Well, maybe that's when we revisit a popular idea that I've talked extensively about, that a guy that I've wanted them to acquire all offseason, and that is uh, Matt Breida. Matt Breida from the San Francisco 49ers, who you technically kind of have to trade for him because now he's got a second-round tender on him. So if you're getting him on an offer sheet and the 49ers are letting him go, which I think they, I think the 49ers would love a team to come in and swoop up Matt Breida so they get a second-round pick. They've already gotten Raheem Mostert. They're bringing back Jarek McKinnon. They are uh, going to bring back Tevin Coleman, obviously. they still got Jeff Wilson hanging around who's had some nice games for them. Breida for a second-round pick is a lot, and... I'm not sure I love the idea as much as I used to, but I love the player. I think he's incredibly fast. He's one of the fastest players in the league. He's the fastest player in Madden, I could tell you that. So I don't know if that means he's the fastest (laughs) running back in football. But I know he's the fastest running back in Madden. Um, But again, that's that guy that even like Singletary, 
if he has one downfall, if he has one weakness, it's that he doesn't have the home run speed. He doesn't have, like, even, like, remember C.J. Spiller? C.J. Spiller would get in the open field and he would score. And Singletary is not that. He can get into that open space and he can be incredibly efficient for you. But he doesn't have the speed to run away from corners and safeties. And Matt Breida has that. So it doesn't have to be Matt Breida, but that's the guy. Like, I'm, I'm, it kind of stinks to me that he was uh, had a second-round tender placed on him because I like the idea of him. Kareem Hunt, same thing. Some people thought he could be available. Second-round tender for him, so you have to give up a second-round pick for Kareem Hunt. And that's why, at this point, if I have to give up a second-round pick for a Matt Breida or a Kareem Hunt, I'm ready to just draft a guy in the second round. And, I like, I'm, I'm kind of... That's my, maybe my favorite idea for the Bills in the second round right now. Like, I know you got, you're got working on this mock draft. Like, I don't know where else to think of where a weakness could be other than a pass-catching running back. Yeah, no, I think that uh, it's unfortunate, like you just said, Brita and uh, a guy like Kareem Hunt, like both of those guys are second-round tenders. And if I'm the Bills, I'm not giving up any more draft capital at this point because I'm not right. at the point of saying the Bills are a Super Bowl contender. You need to keep some of these higher draft picks around still just to be sure. So I'm not really there yet on giving up your second-round pick in addition to already not having your first your first essentially is Stefan Diggs. I'm okay with that. That's your selection. I'm cool with it. I still want you to see yeah. the strengths of this draft class and try to go from there. I'm not even sure I would subscribe to a running back in the second round because this class is fairly solid, and I would even go ahead and say a mid-round pick would be a better idea than investing even a second-round pick in a running back at this point for the Bills. I think that you might want to look at a younger pass rusher in a class that is not nearly as strong. So you, if the board falls your way, you may even get aggressive moving up from 54. Therefore, mm. I think that they need to have their options still available in the second round. Well, even honestly, like if you compare uh, second versus third round running backs selected in the past couple of years, like I'll read the list to you here and you tell me which list is better um, for those out there. You probably will figure out which one's which, but I'm not sure those out <laughs> listening will. So I'll, I'm going to read them without the round. You tell me which list is better because I think they're close. All right. First list entails uh, Daryl Henderson. Um, actually, I'll go back a year. Well, we'll skip last season. You got Royce Freeman, James Conner, Elvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, CJ Proceis, Kenyon Drake, Tevin Coleman, Duke Johnson, David Johnson. The other list is, let me make sure I get this uh, right here, Nick Chubb, Ronald Jones, Carrion Johnson, Darius Geis, Delvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, and TJ Yeldon. That second list is running backs taken in the second round. You are right. But, like, would you tell me that there's a massive difference between one list versus the other? I think there is a lot of good running backs on both lists. Yeah, there are. And I think that really it just is going to depend on what the Bills like in the second round, for example. So maybe they take the guy from LSU, for example, if he's still there. Maybe they see mm -hmm. that Jonathan Taylor's falling down draft boards and they want to see that value in the Wisconsin back in, say, the fourth round. So there's options that this team can go with. And we know Brandon Bean is not scared of moving and shifting up and down a draft board as he pleases. Yep. So that's why I think that, again, maybe you want to go ahead and invest in a running back in the second round. I just want to see them go after the best player available. And this team oftentimes gets aggressive for a player that they like, knowing that that's their best player on the board. So I don't know about a Bills running back in the second round, but at the same time, if there is something they do need to invest some depth into, it is that position.
Right. I'm just glad we're at this point where we're talking about minor issues. Like, isn't that nice to have where we don't really have to talk about, hey, who's going to rush the passer this year? Oh, it's Mario Madison. We don't have to talk about who Josh Allen's number one target's going to be. Oh, it's it's Stephon Diggs. Like, the Bills... I'll say this. I have confidence, even if I don't have 100% confidence that Josh Allen's their, their franchise quarterback. I'm more confident than I was a year ago, but I'm still not sold. And I think a lot of people out there, out there still aren't sold because he's got to come a, a, a way further before I think we're at that point. I'm confident, but um, or I'm optimistic, but I'm not 100% confident. Even if Allen, let's just say, were to fail, I, and next year he takes the Trubisky step backward in year three, I still have confidence that this team's going to be competitive and that this team is going to be in position to win because it's not even about the culture part of it. It's a lot about Brandon Bean. In three years, Brandon Bean is to me, built a near-perfect roster around the quarterback. They don't have a single hole anywhere, and they have very good to great players all over the place. They don't have a ton of superstar players all over the place. I'd tell you maybe they have one in Tredavious White, and maybe there's some other budding superstars like a Devin Singletary. I still think Dawson Knox is a huge ceiling at tight end because of his athleticism. He's got to figure out the drops. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds has that potential as well, but no holes anywhere. And to me, I'd have confidence that this guy knows what he's doing when it comes to roster building. And that gives me confidence because at some point you're going to get the quarterback right. If you can be a good enough GM to make your team good when you're figuring out what your quarterback situation is, that's when you get a second try quarterback. That's when you get a third try quarterback. That's when maybe even if you're good enough, you could get a fourth try at quarterback. When most Bills GMs, most Bills coaches, when they fail on the first quarterback, well, the rest of the roster isn't all that good either, so they're out of a job. And to me, if Allen were to take that Trubisky step back this year, and I'm not just assuming that's going to happen because I think he's a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky, frankly. If that did happen, though, I mean, I'd be, we'd be talking about like what veteran guy could they maybe bring in? What guy could they trade for and be a final um, last step to becoming a Super Bowl caliber team? Because again, I said this on Monday, I think they have a Super Super Bowl caliber roster. We just got to figure out if Allen's that now. And it's nice to be talking about minor issues like running back here. You, you mentioned that and say that the Bills do have to, God forbid, uh, go after another quarterback. There's one GM that uh, the name sticks in my mind, and I saw this was um, it was from Buffalo Rumblings and Bruce Nolan uh, at Bruce Exclusive on Twitter. So, Ozzie Newsom, he drafts Kyle Bowler, yes. and it doesn't work. He ends up eventually drafting Joe Flacco, and that one kind of works. And he does yeah, he get him a Super Bowl. Bowl. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait kind of won. It, it worked. It, he it won a Super Bowl. Of, it kind of works. And eventually it does work for him. But then Flacco, they immediately see that he is not going to be the guy long term, and they go ahead and they have an opportunity to draft another guy. So Ozzie Newsom's probably mm-hmm. that one for me. Like A Kyle Bowler like Miss usually gets you fired. And the Ravens hierarchy knew if you have a GM that's good enough for building the entire roster around it, you don't need to have it be a fireable offense if you don't get the quarterback right. And I think that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott sure. have developed that enough at this point where the roster is so strong, they deserve another crack at it if this ever has to become an uncomfortable conversation. I'd rather it not, but there's right. they're, they're setting Same. up for really having the consistency in the front office and the coaching. 
Same. I, I want to hedge here because, again, I don't – I don't – I'm not saying Josh Allen's going to fail this season. I'm, again, not 100% sold, but if I had to put my money on one side of things, I think he's going to be better next year because of Stephon Diggs, a lot better. So I'm putting my money and my chips on that side of things. But on the, on the off chance that he takes that Trubisky step back, like you said there and I said before, I think Bean and McDermott for sure – get another crack at this thing. They get another swing at the bat, no doubt. I think they've earned that. And whether they would want to go veteran, whether they want to go draft, that's a discussion we could have down the road and that we hopefully don't have to. So we'll see. Uh, Before we take a break and uh, we get to – we're going to get to Ben Solak in a little bit in the hour here. Um, Last year, you may remember a story – where Fox NFL was running a a contest, a bracket contest on Twitter, where they were trying to determine the best fans in the NFL. And that Twitter poll or that Twitter contest drew some criticism and was being written about in stories on like Deadspin and Barstool, uh, Deadspin when it was a thing back in the day. Although I think Deadspin's back now, weirdly. Weird timing for them when there's no sports. Um, And they're being told to stick to sports. That's a weird one. Last year, in this Twitter contest, the Tennessee Titans uh, bloggers slash fans bought Twitter votes on these Twitter polls to beat the Bills. The Bills were way out in front. There were only hours left, minutes left, before the poll closed, and all of these Titans bloggers and fans started throwing money at it and basically cheating, and the Bills lost the poll, and it made all of this news on social media, mostly. This year, funny enough... Sunday Night Football and NBC, their Twitter account, they're doing a best fans contest, but they're doing it via Instagram. So they're tweeting out the results, they're tweeting out the bracket, but they're telling you to go vote on Instagram. And because you cannot buy votes on Instagram, funny what happened. The Tennessee Titans fans were out in the first round. Who has the best fans in the AFC, by the way, not in the NFL? Titans, out in the first round. Lose to the Houston Texans. And the Bills were crowned the champions today. So the Bills were voted because of, uh, I think just I think they just won a quantity of votes. Won the best fans in the AFC uh, on this bracket contest by Sunday Night Football and NBC. They beat the Jets, then the Patriots, then the Chiefs fans. The Chiefs fans, they just won the Super Bowl, and the Bills uh, beat them. And then they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the finals. So they were crowned the best fans in the AFC. And obviously, looking back a year, nobody ever thought the Titans fans... Um, we're going to beat out Bill's Mafia, and they only did because they threw money at it. So funny to look back on that and I, see uh, where we come one year later. I'm going to sound like a jerk here, but I genuinely don't care about these sorts of things. But, uh, I mean, I guess I don't, it's, well, it's it's cool, I guess, for the fan base to feel a little validation through it via social media on these things. But I know yeah. that at the end of the day, I know that Bill's fans will always bring it because they matter because it's game day. That's what matters to me. That's what's important to me. It's not ever about a social media poll and showing up to no, uh, sure. vote on that sort of thing. Whereas I know that at the end of the day, they're going to be up at 6 a.m. They're going to be tailgating. They're going to be listening to breakfast with the Bills oh, yeah. and Bill's pregame. But I, I know that they're there, and they're there on the day that it matters, and that's Sundays. Give me that every time over winning a uh, a poll. And it was laughable when the Titans fans bought that. And it kind of right. showed me a little bit more of, I don't want to say it reinforced my opinion more so, but it definitely made me go ahead and scoff at the whole nature of those sorts of things. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm in your boat, too, for the most part. I uh, didn't care about it. I didn't even know it existed last year until the Titans thing happened. But I guess what just annoyed me a lot last year is when they were going on this victory parade that they're the best fans in the sport. When, like, first of all, right, like you, like you made point like that's your way of gauging it and you also kind of cheated to do it so that that was the only thing that perturbed me about it but you're right like it it is more about being up at six o'clock six o'clock hell like the, the camper lot's full on like thursdays um they're already out there so yeah i don't and look look just look at last year the bills played at the titans that stadium was full of bills fans and if the titans were to come here you wouldn't notice a difference at all, I think. Uh, game to game for the Bills, at least. 803-0550 is the phone number. Um, when we come back, get into a little bit on uh, stuff we're watching right now. Again, I got another recommendation for everybody out there. And uh, we'll uh, get closer to Benjamin Solak, our interview of the day. Joe DiBiase and Derek Kramer. It's the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase, Derek Kramer on WGR. The one thing I wanted to get into, I forgot to tease before the uh, segment, these uh, games at the Sabres are going to be rebroadcasting next week. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. We'll get through a couple calls here, though. And uh, Ben Solak on the way in the next segment as our interview of the day. Let's start with Mike. Mike, you're on the Nightcap. What's up, man? Hi, does, does Melvin Gordon, does he take you to that next level? Say you go get Melvin Gordon, you just got Stephon Diggs. Does Melvin Gordon take take you to that next level? I mean, I love the guy. I think he, you know, you give the guy the ball 20, 30 times. I mean, you're paying, you know, say an Amari Cooper $22 million or whatever he's going to make, and uh, you're, you're going to pay this guy, what, $10 million? And he's going to get the ball at least 10 more times than that guy? Yeah, uh, to me, he doesn't. I think the only thing that takes you to the next level is Josh Allen. I'm not sure any running back does that. And for me, it's certainly not Melvin Gordon. I just don't think he's all that good. I think he's an average running back in the league at best. And we have five years of evidence that he has been, if you look at his yards per carry, he's been below average in four of them. He's never really been super efficient in terms of his work in the passing game. And, like, he's just kind of, like, Derek, what is he supposed to be good at? Like, he, he's not really super fast like he's fast but he's not super fast he's not blazing uh speed side to side like making you miss in in a phone book like LaShawn McCoy used to um I like I, he's not incredibly powerful he's not Derrick Henry like I don't even know what he's supposed to be and that's the thing about Melvin Gordon and that's probably why him being a first round pick and that and our perception of him is uh, not all that good is because he doesn't have that elite trait and you want to know what it reminds yeah. me of our discussions about Alex Nylander Crossing sports, yeah, crossing yeah, that's sports a good there, one. but you and I, like, we always thought there's no elite trait with this guy. And with Melvin Gordon, there's no elite trait with this guy. Todd Gurley, he was at least a phenomenal balanced rusher, a guy that, you know, it's it's almost as if those two well, are he was also great in the skills. Pa- yeah, he was great in the pass game, too. Yeah. So. It's almost like these two players have similar skill sets, but one is just better at everything than the other one is. And that's why I think that Todd Gurley would be a better idea than Melvin Gordon at this point. And the fact that he's coming off the injury, you could probably get him cheaper. It makes a lot more sense in that regard. Whereas Melvin Gordon, you know he's trying to still look for a starting spot, especially with how his mm-hmm. uh, his contract situation with the Chargers ended. 
Well said. Let's go to Buzz in Buffalo. Buzz, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Hey, hey, good evening. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Chilling. I'm, I'm hanging in there. Nice, nice night outside. I'm sitting out in the yard with my dogs. Um, so I, I did nice. talk about running back. And, but after the uh, talk about running back, I do have something to watch. So, but, so the running awesome. thing, pl- please no Gordon. Please no Gordon. And please no Gurley. And nothing against Gurley except he has an arthritic knee. And, you know, honestly, I have arthritis in my hip and my back. And, dude, it's just he's not going to recover from it. You know what I'm saying? It can't be fixed. It's bone on bone. He's done. So let's draft somebody. Um, me, personally, I like Edwards Alaire a lot. You know, 5'7", 210, but a little, uh, a little faster uh, than Singletary. We definitely need mm-hmm. backs, but we don't need – I don't think we need a veteran back. I really don't. So, now, the last time the Bills traded a first-round – not the last time, but one of the times the Bills didn't have a first-round pick, they traded it for Cornelius Bennett before you guys were born, and in the <laughs> they took Thurman Thomas. So they, they had – they're going to be focused on that second-round pick. I think they'll take the best player available, but I hope it's a running back. I'm kind of uh, with you, Joe, on this. I wouldn't I, – I, I kind of like that idea. Um. But please don't sign any veterans. Just draft someone. Just draft someone. There's going to be a back there for you. And we do need one. Yeah. But, um, all right, so now I'm going to give you something to watch. Okay. So I- is this going to be a daily thing, Buzz? <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Buzz's uh, <laughs> daily TV picks. I'm in. Right. And I, actually, I have one for the next time I call, too. It's a TV show <laughs> for the next time. All right. And you're going to like it. You're gonna, I'm, I'm giving you good suggestions here, brother. Okay, so I gave you yes. Square Kings yesterday about uh, uh, Foreman Ali. And the lead up to it. <clears throat> Today, I'm going to give you something that's not sports related, but it, but it's a phenomenal story. So we all know who Jackie Robinson is, right? Okay, so Jackie Robinson, you know, broke the color barrier in, in Major League Baseball, number you know, 42. Uh, so there's a guy named Vivian Thomas. Okay, and and the it's spelled V I V I E N, and Thomas common common spelling. Um, he grew up during the Depression. He's African American. All right. He never became a doctor, but have you ever heard of Blue Babies? Let me ask you that. Have you ever heard of Blue Babies? I have, I have not. Okay, the reason you haven't heard of Blue Babies, okay, so I'm, just bear with me here. Just give me one minute. I'll preface it real quick. So um, Blue Babies, babies are born sometimes with a, a genetic defect where the heart doesn't connect with the lungs properly. So the heart pumps the blood, but the blood isn't oxygenated, and the babies are blue. That's called being cyanotic, Okay. So the babies are blue, and they never live past, like, a year old. So in 1943 or 44, um, this, a, a white doctor named Alfred Blaylock, who was, uh, he, he, perfected, he was the first one to perform open-heart surgery on, on an infant to, to correct that problem. And it's crazy because when, once the procedure is done and the heart is connected with the lungs and the clamps are released, the baby instantly goes from blue to pink. And these babies are still born today, but they're taken care of right away. But they would die in the 40s. And the white doctor mm. was the one that got all the credit, but his right-hand man who perfected the surgery was the African-American Vivian Thomas. Okay, so I have a dog. I actually have a, a wolf hybrid. And when I got her as a nine-week-old puppy, I named her Viv, V-I-V. I named her after Vivian Thomas. And the reason I did it, is to spread the word about this man. Everyone knows about Jackie Robinson. This guy was the Jackie Robinson in the medical field, and he worked at Johns mm. Hopkins in the 40s, 50s, 60s. His portrait is hung there, and nobody knows about him. So there's a movie 
about Vivian Thomas and his story. Okay. It's called, it's called Something the Lord Made. And there are a bunch of documentaries on YouTube, too. Everybody should check out this cat, Vivian Thomas. He, his title was a janitor at Johns Hopkins, and he did all this research and invented open-heart surgery procedures. Uh, I mean, phenomenal, man. you got to check it out. Dude. Something the Lord made. Yeah, but, but Buzz, th- thanks for the call, man. i got to run here. But um, I, I, I like the sound of that a lot. And I'm glad that, uh, that you called in again because that's twice in a row that I'm going to be watching things that you uh, – you recommended good good sales job, but Buzz could probably sell me on anything. I think uh, given that sales job there with a with a, a medical documentary that I would have probably never gotten to on my own. Uh, quickly, because I did tease in, I do want to touch on it before we uh, get out of here at the end of the night. We got Ben Solak coming up next. Derek, the one game that the Sabers are showing next week, you're most looking forward to. I asked Brian this earlier. Which one would it be? For me, it is the four overtime game. Uh, I mean, I forgot the list of it. I I didn't. You got the four overtime game. You've got the uh, game against the Rangers after 9-11 when the Sabres are wearing the New York jerseys. You've got the game in 06 where they break the or they get the 10 game uh, win streak to start the season. That was a shut a Miller shutout in, in Long Island. Um, you've got a playoff game in 07, I think. Yeah, that's probably going to be the one for me because play, of the, the playoff game. The playoff game that's against the Rangers, right? Eastern Conference semis. Yep, that's the, that's, that's the, seven point uh, seven seconds. Yeah, that's Drury and Fenneganov, and that one I remember being outside in the party in the plaza for that, and that just crazy. That one was bonkers, and I would love to uh, be able to watch it in a different sense, I guess, uh, because I was mm-hmm. outside and I'm watching on a giant screen, and sometimes people would have a sign and it's in your way in vision, and you didn't care because it was awesome out there. Whereas, whereas watching the pure broadcast actually would be a, a pretty different thing, and I would like to be able to do that, I guess. Cool. Yeah, I like that pick, too. That would have been a second on the list for me. Um, all right, we will take a time out here. We'll get to our interview of the day next. Ben Solak on with the, uh, the morning show earlier today. That's on the way next here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Derek Kramer here. Joe DiBiase hanging out in the social, or excuse me, the work distancing studios at his house. The interview of the day, Ben Solak. He was on with Howard and Jeremy, so Ben Solak of the Draft Network. Here's that interview again with Howard and Jeremy this morning on WGR. On our Wester hotline to talk a little bit about the draft and free agency, how it's impacted the draft. We know how it's impacted the Bills. They don't have a first-round pick. Um, is Ben Solak. He is a draft analyst for the Draft Network. Always love getting the guys on from their network, and we'll tell you about their mock draft machine and their content in a moment. Ben, it's Howard and Jeremy. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Um, well, I appreciate you having me on, fellas. You know what? I, we want to talk draft with you, but Jeremy brought up this morning the idea of, hey, you know, Jadavian Clowney's still out there. Maybe the Bills should try and make like an offer, like a one- or two-year deal, take a shot at Jadavion Clowney. You have an article up at the Draft Network site about fits for Clowney. What about that idea? Should the Bills make a play for him? I think everybody should be calling Clowney's camp right now and figuring out you know, what's the temperature in the water because nobody thought Jadavion Clowney was going to be not connected to a team by March 19th. That's something that I don't think anybody expected, and it's clear that the market isn't that high for him relative to what Clowney's expectations were coming out. With Buffalo adding Q Jeff, with Buffalo adding Mario Addison, we've already got in place with, with Jerry Hughes and adding Ed Oliver. I think you have a lot of guys you're going to like 
as pass rushers on third down. You guys that you've, you've gotten who is, they're going to be familiar to Sean McDermott, they're guys yep. that he's played with before, and guys who are, are high-ceiling dudes. I don't think you need to do it, but certainly you touch base with Clowney and you say, okay, you know, what What are you looking for? What's your asking price? And you and keep an eye on the temperature of that water because Buffalo looks like they're going to be a competing team in the AFC. They look like a deep playoff run. A player like Jadavian Clowney, like you said, on one or two years certainly helps you out. Yeah, you know what, I, I did, speaking of edge rusher, that is the first question I had on my list for you from the Bills' perspective. Um, and, and now we factor in, of course, they don't have their first pick. So they're scheduled right now. Their first choice is scheduled at 54 in round two. If they do say, you know what, need to get an edge rusher, got to get a young guy in there, they've made some free agent moves, but older guys, what about second round edge rushers? What kind of players, who are some of the players that we'd be talking about at that point in the draft at that position? It's not a strong edge group. And so pretty much once we start getting into round two, you're looking at players who are either athletically NFL caliber, but the production may not have been there in college, or the production was there in college. And athletically, there's questions about what they'll be in the NFL. So we've got incomplete evaluations there. You expect uh, Chase Young off the board. You expect Caleb on Chase off the board. And Zach Ball on the edge out of Wisconsin is a good player. He's very much a McDermott guy in terms of the off-field, the leadership, the, the character. He's probably going to be off the board. I think the two names that immediately stand out to me are Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. He's one of these freak athletes. Cut out of marble. He's got incredible length. He's got a two-way go with quickness. But he just wasn't healthy during his time in Alabama. So the production was there in, in first, but he never stayed on the field long enough to really develop any consistency. So that's the guy you like as a backup rusher. And then Curtis Weaver out of Boise State. This is a guy who's going to leave Boise State as the career leader in sacks. And every year the tackle for loss production, the sack production, wicked consistent. He's doesn't have that body type that Terrell Lewis does. He doesn't look like a great athlete. He's a little bit stubby. He doesn't have that cut frame. He's got a little bit of bad weight around the midsection. You know, he's not that that clean-looking dude, but he can play with his hand in the dirt of the five-tech. He's strong against the run. And then he's just slippery. I don't know if it's technique, if it's instinct, if it's reflexes, but he's just tough to get your hands on and keep him there, even though he doesn't look like the best athlete. So those are the two names that stand out to me. Guys, I would want in round two to be rotational edges for me if I was trying to compete this year. What about the guy from Michigan, Uche, Uchi? Yeah, so Josh Uche is a, is a on-ball, off-ball Sam hybrid. So this is a player that you do not want on the line of scrimmage on every okay. single down. Yep. So if you're Buffalo and you're saying, listen, on third downs, we want to get five dudes with their hands in the dirt. Right, we want to get all of our, our big rushers, our Mario Addison, we want to get him as a three-tech, get him as a four-tech, Hugh Jeff as a three-tech. And then we want some dude standing up all the way in left field, nine technique, and he's just going to race a tackle to the edge. He's going to win more often than he loses. That's Josh Uche. Okay. If you're drafting him in round two, it means you've also got to get him on the field a little bit off-ball and base down. That's what like, Matt Milano was kind of already doing for you. So I'm not sure the space is there for them to value him that highly relative to other teams who use more multiple fronts. They'll like his skill set better than Buffalo will. I want to ask you about wide receivers, too. And, again, things have changed. The Bills have now uh, made a trade for Stephon Diggs. But, you know, I think you could certainly make the case – you know, with uh, with Brown, with Beasley, you know, only, I think, a couple years left in their contract, they still might want to get a good young receiver in here on a cost-controlled deal. So if you if you look at receiver, how deep is it? Are we If the Bills go round three or even round four before they get to wide receiver, is it still that deep? It is, and, and, and that's the thing. is when we do, oh, People love to say the wide receiver class is so strong. Anytime you talk about a position class being strong, you have to define it. You're talking about top-end talent or you're talking about depth. It's two different types of strengths. In the case of this year's wide receiver class, it's both. There's ridiculous talent at the top, 
and then what, round two, round three, round four, you're still finding value. So if you look at what the, the Bills have constructed in their receiver room, I really, really love the way they built over the last couple of years. John Brown, one of the best field stretchers. You have Cole Beasley, one of the best underneath guys. And then Stephon Diggs is a great separator. Minnesota had him do a lot of deep stuff as well. Makes sense what Buffalo needs. I'm still looking for that guy who's going to be my, my team mark in the slot. He's going to be my intermediate hole. He's going to be my dig route sort of a guy. I mean, Diggs can do that, but it's not where he's going to be most valuable. What's special about Diggs is the route running down the field. So I, like, we're talking the fourth round. I'm looking at Van Jefferson out of Florida. I'm looking at Courtney Davis out of Texas A&M. Uh, Isaiah Hodges out of Oregon State. Those guys, they will be there round three, round four, and they have a good intermediate presence, good separation, 10 to 12 yards down the field. That's the last hole I see on the Bills receiver core, which, like I said, they built it great over the last couple years. We're with Ben Solak from the Draft Network on our West Star Hotline. The quarterback draft with what's happened so far with free agency and trades, how, if at all, has it impacted what could happen in round one with the quarterbacks? I mean, so we, we had so many maybe quarterback needs coming into round one. And now simply you know, all of them have, 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 have been either made very apparent or completely wiped away, right? So as of now, Cincinnati and Miami at 1 and at 5 remain in needs of rookie quarterbacks. We did not anticipate them making any moves for veterans, and they did not. The Chargers at 6 also had their foot in the water on Brady, and people thought maybe they'd go after Newton. They've elected to keep Tyrod Taylor as their starter. We very much expect them to make a quarterback pick early. So three quarterbacks in the top six. A lot of, of Vegas lines, betting lines, if you're you know, looking for something to bet on in this weird sports climate, you can get you know, over two-and-a-half quarterbacks in the top ten. Now's the time because Chargers are probably going to take the third one. And then after that, it's barren, right? Tampa Bay, Indianapolis, they're not going to go after quarterbacks anymore. We know Chicago's good. They weren't in range necessarily, but they've got Nick Foles now as their entrenched starter. Carolina's not drafting the guy of the future. They have Teddy Bridgewater. So Jordan Love, who we anticipate being the fourth quarterback off the board in Utah State, he's going to fall. He's going to he's going to fall probably into the tens, probably into the teens, maybe into the twenties. And then you have, start having conversations about a team like New England, a team like New Orleans, uh, potentially uh, even like you know uh, a team in round two trading back up into round one to make that fourth quarterback pick. So I expect three quarterbacks to go fast. And then we're going to have a long waiting game until that fourth quarterback comes off the board. You mentioned New England. I had one other Bills question, but on quarterbacks, we were discussing earlier, like a lot of the talk coming out of New England now is you're hearing them, people play up Jarrett Stidham. What did you think of him coming out of Auburn? Play up Jarrett Stidham. You hear the same thing, which is the ball comes off his hand as clean as can be. He's got ideal frame. He's got good athleticism, great in the locker room. And the reason is because Jared Stidham has never been as good on the football field as he's been as good in the practice field. He has always looked great until defenses get put on the field. And so the player I saw at Auburn, the player I saw at the Senior Bowl, had prohibitive issues reading defenses and reacting to coverage to be a star in the NFL. Prohibitive. Now, if somebody's going to get those fixed, his name is Bill Belichick. He lives in New England. He makes your life a living nightmare, I'm sure. So I'll, I'll, when I, I'll reserve judgment until I see Stidham out there. He's now had two off, he'll have two off-seasons in New England. Listen, the patient value of this guy is a fourth-rounder. Nobody else, I think, had him valued that highly. So they clearly wanted to bring him in to invest time into him. The player I saw at Auburn could not read coverage. So we'll see what, what we have now, second year in New England. I'm, I'm reserving judgment for now. Get in a uh, before I forget. Get in a plug. It's a great site. Uh, we have a number of you guys on our station for the, uh, the the site, the premium subscription, and the really cool mock draft machine. 
I appreciate that. Yeah, so the draft network, we've got ourselves here a draft season like we never expected. It's about as big as it's ever going to get. We do cover the draft year-round. We start working on this class in June. We don't stop working on it until May. So we're happy to know all these guys as well as we do. As Howard brought up, the premium subscription is now active as well. So if you are looking to get a lot more into the draft and get this deep coverage for the upcoming event, we feel like we're the best spot for it. It does give you access to trades in our mock draft machines. We have a free mock draft simulator. You can choose the Buffalo Bills, choose whatever team you like, choose the number of rounds you'd like to pick for, and you get to make the picks for your team. You can trade those picks along with a premium subscription. You also get access to all of our portfolio content, so all of our final scouting guides, all of our final charting series will all be coming out in March and April. That's for you, and access to our expert forum as well if you want to ask us specific questions. So we're excited to give the best draft coverage we can every year. Obviously, this year is a little bit more exciting for about the only thing in the market. So we're excited to extend it. We always appreciate you having us on, too. Our pleasure. You guys are good. We always enjoy having you on, and it is uh, it is a fantastic side. I'm not just saying that because you're on or Joe's on or whoever. So, yeah, uh, as you. always, Ben, thanks for giving us some time. Absolutely, man. You take care. That was Ben Solak of the Draft Network. I'm with Howard and Jeremy. That was our interview of the show for the Nightcap. For Joe DiBiase in his work distancing studio known as his bed, I'm Derek Kramer. We're at it again. Another nightcap for you tomorrow night. Howard and Jeremy take over for you at 6 a.m. You're listening to WGR.